the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we're going to begin in chapter 6 of the book of Romans. We're going to read some of the verses at the end of chapter 5 in order to kind of maintain the context. But in the previous three chapters of Romans, Paul has dealt with the need for justification by faith through grace. And it was all with eternal salvation in view. Every man is born with the eternal need of justification by faith through grace. The need for the new birth to be justified in Christ. And for the Christian, this is past tense salvation. For the Christian, this has already happened. You have been eternally saved. In this next section, Paul is going to deal with sanctification. And that's reflected in in Romans 5.10. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son past tense, it is much more certain, now that we are reconciled, that we shall be saved, daily delivered from sin's dominion through his resurrection life, present tense, that's sanctification. Now sanctification is really the expanding, is you expanding in the completed work of Christ. It's not you gaining more of Christ. It's you expanding in all that He is. It's you expanding in His life within you and literally learning to live it out. The reality of it is that we are learning to walk in the truth of who we are in Christ and deny the lie of who we were continually trying to press itself on the present. Let's look at Romans, and we're going to begin, as I said, in chapter 5. I want to start on verse 19, and then we're going to read to chapter 6, verse 3. Romans, chapter 5, verse 19. For just as by one man's disobedience, failing to hear, heedlessness and carelessness, the many were constituted sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many were constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, brought into right standing with Him. But then law came in, only to expand and increase the trespass, making it more apparent and exciting opposition. But where sin increased and abounded, 
Grace, God's unmerited favor, has surpassed it and increased the more and superabounded. So, just as sin has reigned in death, so grace, his unearned and undeserved favor, might reign also through righteousness, right standing with God, which issues into eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, our Lord. Chapter 6. Taking in what we just read, Paul offers a question. What shall we say to all of this? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace, favor, and mercy may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now look again at that first verse in chapter 6. A rhetorical question is asked, What shall we say to all this? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace, favor, and mercy may multiply and overflow? Now Paul's anticipating an objection to what he has just affirmed. He has just affirmed the work of grace apart from works, apart from law. He says that grace is mightier than the work of sin. Now, this objection is the same objection that has been offered from the beginning, and it continues to be offered even today to people who are preaching grace or teaching grace or speaking of grace. Immediately, you hear this objection. Well, if it's all about grace, then I can just do what I want to do. I can just sin the way I want to sin. And certainly, this verse right here has been confused on this issue by a lot of people. been confusing. And Paul says, certainly not. The objection has not changed concerning this. And the reason it hasn't changed, it's, it's always going to be the enemy's response to grace. Because it's about man's desire to create his own righteousness. Or it's about man's desire to license sin. And that's where that objection comes from. Either man's desire to create his own righteousness, or man's desire to license sin. Either way. It's a man-centered argument, isn't it? The argument itself will draw you into the deception that man is either righteous by his determination or that salvation for us was so that we could continue in our sin without judgment. Both of these deny the work of Christ and the truth of what he has done in us, the truth of the new birth. Now, here's where most people misunderstand what Paul is writing in these chapters. We need to understand that word, sin, as it is used in this verse and in the majority of Romans chapters 5 through 8, is singular. It is singular and it is a noun rather than a verb. What does that mean to you? Well, it's an entity. It's a person, place, or thing. Sin is not about behavior. So the question is not, shall we continue in the practice of sin? But rather, shall we continue to be enslaved and ruled by the power of sin? The entity that rules the nature of man without a God. So you see the difference that makes in that verse? Paul's not asking, shall we continue in sinful behavior? He's asking, should we continue in the realm of sin? Should we continue under the dominion of sin? Should we continue enslaved in sin? And it's a rhetorical question, because Paul is talking primarily to Christians. 
As God's children, as new creations, we do not live in the realm of sin any longer. Grace delivered us, and grace abounds through faith, not through sin. Now, we could say that sin limits our participation and recognition of grace rather than increasing it. And what does that mean? That means that when we willfully enter into sin, and you know what? That's the only way we enter in is willfully. So we don't, we don't get tripped into it. When we willfully enter into sin, we put the blinders on, as one guy was telling me earlier. We literally blind ourselves to the work and the truth of God around us. So we don't recognize His grace. And as I've said in the last two sermons I've preached, grace is not a topical ointment to be applied when we need it. Grace is the atmosphere. It is literally the place where the Christian resides. We live in grace. Our lives have been cast in grace. Everything that will be true of us from birth to death was brought about through grace. Ephesians 2.10 That's why Romans 8.28 works. Because grace is the overriding, the overarching principle of the child of God's life. It is not something that God gives us on occasion or with the right prayer or being in the right place at the right time. So recognizing that we have his grace and that we live in his grace, we recognize that we can be blinded to his grace when we sin. We don't see it. We don't recognize it. You know, a child is a good example. Now, many of us have raised small children or been around small children. The truth is, they do not recognize the grace that is theirs. They do not recognize the grace that clothes them, feeds them, changes them, protects them, wraps them, does all of the things, basically keeps them alive. They don't recognize it. They don't see it. And when they see it, it is not something that registers in their mind as being grace. The truth is that they live in grace. Isn't that the truth? And when we're blinded by sin, we don't see those things. And that's why we're anxious about life. That's why we worry about whether or not this will happen or this won't happen or whatever. We worry about all these things because we don't recognize that we literally live in the atmosphere of grace. And we will discount the grace that we are in, the grace that we do even recognize, the grace that is plain to us in order that we might be able to worry about the things that we want to worry about. You ever done that? I mean, I'm going to worry about whether or not the job comes through. I'm going to worry about whether or not this person likes me. I'm going to worry about whether or not I'm going to have all that I need when I get to a certain place or whether this person is going to do what they said they would do. I'm going to worry about all these things. But the reality is that I can't even control my next heartbeat. I have no control over the circumstances that are around me. That I live and breathe and walk and have my being in Christ. So, I deny the grace that is mine. I become blind to it. And sin is just that action. I've said it many times before. You know what the truth of sin is for the Christian? It's a distraction. It's a distraction. It takes our eyes off truth long enough for us to be so man-centered that we lose all power. And let me tell you, when you become man-centered, you lose all power and freedom. 
You do. And sin takes that from you. So, taking that into the context of what happens to us as Christians when we get blinded, then you can look back, even for those of us who were saved at an early age, and remember what it was like to be under the power of sin, being enslaved in sin. Just amplify that, but with no control whatsoever in your life. The lost man lives in the illusion of control. As children of God, as new creations, we do not live in the realm of sin any longer. Grace has delivered us. The death of the sin nature has already taken place. And that work in us does not give life to sin. In taking sin captive, Christ did not establish sin's reign. That which established our righteousness did not make us sinners. Now that's the, that's the ludicrousy of this argument that's being made here. One example that I read I liked, he said, uh, bankruptcy might reveal a man's mistakes, the correction of which might lead him to make millions. But no man would believe that bankruptcy is a path to riches. Now, that is the truth of the argument. That's the illustration of the argument we're making. In the same way, we do not sin in order that grace may abound. Now, this argument would only be embraced by those who are still living under the rule or the power of sin. If the question is asked in earnest with a determination to license sin, with a determination to live in sin, then it has its source in wickedness. You know, the truth of the new creation is that it doesn't want to sin. Now, you may be convinced that temptation is a reflection of your heart, but that's an enemy's lie. You have a new nature. You have a new appetite. Sin doesn't suit you, and it never will. You can't go back and work up an appetite for sin. You can go into it, and you can fool yourself to believe that is what you desire, but your nature will reveal itself because it will literally punish you. You will start coming apart as you enter into sin. This chapter is about identity, and Paul is showing us the foolishness of seeking to continue in sin after you've been saved by grace. You see, a child of God cannot enter back under the full reign of sin. He's dead to sin. He can be tempted to comply with sin and yield to sin or temptation, but he cannot resurrect the Adam life within him. He is in Christ. Now, verse 1 of chapter 6 asks that rhetorical question and says, Are we to remain... Are we to abide? Are we to stay? Are we to continue, depending on your translation? And that word remain or continue is in a present tense, which means it's more than just remaining. It's a perseverance of the will. It's a determination to stay in sin. Does that sound like a regenerate man or an unregenerate man? Sound like a Christian or a lost man? It's a lost man. This behavior... This perseverance of the will is describing an unregenerate man. This is not about behavior or failing. It's about birth. So Paul does not say you will never commit individual sins again once you're saved because all believers, all of us, still live in unredeemed and unredeemable flesh. That's the truth. If you don't believe me, look in a mirror. That stuff you're wearing is unredeemed and unredeemable. That's why God's going to destroy it and put something new on you. Paul doesn't say you won't ever sin. This is not about behavior. You will sin. You will fail. 
And as I've said many times before, you will fall, but make sure you fall forward in truth. Make sure you fall towards the throne of grace and say, Father, I thank you that that's not who I am and get up and walk in the truth of who you are. That's the truth of repentance. This is not about behavior or failing. It's about birth. Believers are set free once and for all from the ruling power of sin. But now, as we are in the sanctification process, we must daily, moment by moment, claim victory over the residual enemy, which is our flesh. Romans 6.13 Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments, tools of wickedness. But offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. Now the question that would be asked is, can you be born of Adam and born of Christ at the same time? And again, I'm not talking about this body. This body is born of Adam, but it's not who you are. So in who you are, can you be born of Adam and born of Christ at the same time? No, that's impossible. Christian, we have been given a new life, not a get out of hell free card. We've been given a life, which means who we are has substantially changed. Not just changed, but become something altogether new and different. We are not free sinners we are free saints. Colossians 3.3 3 says, For as far as this world is concerned, you have died. And your new real life, the real life. And you know why he makes that distinction? Because many people look in the mirror and think that's life. Many people look at their surroundings and think that's life. Many people look at their circumstances and say that's life. But you want to know where life is? Many people are asking the question, well, if you're a child of God, it's answered in Colossians 3.3, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. That's where your real life is. A biblical scholar that I'm learning to appreciate is Bishop Malay, and he wrote, the justified man cannot be isolated from Christ, who is his life. And thus he can never ultimately be considered apart from his possession in Christ of a new possibility, a new power, a new and glorious call to living in holiness. The seeking of a license to sin reveals a heart that doesn't know the truth of Christ as life. Doesn't know the joy and the fulfillment of being born to live in union with Christ. Romans 6 verse 2. Paul responds to his own question. Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? You may have something different in your translation. Certainly not. By no means. Far be the thought. Impossible. Absurd. Nonsense. God forbid. What ghastly thought. Perish the thought. Away the thought. Now that covers most translations right there. But you get the idea. Paul is indignant. He's incredulous. He's saying that's ridiculous. Not because we could never be tempted to sin. But because once we have died it's impossible for us to live in it. The dead do not return to their old life. They exist in a new realm. And you as a child of God are doing the same. Let me ask you a question. When your life is gone, when you pass on and you get to heaven, 
Are you planning to keep your current job and commute? Or are you planning to uh, show up on earth and visit your family on weekends and holidays? Well, you'd say, that's a stupid question. That's an absurd question. How could you even ask that? That's two different worlds. Besides that, I'm not sure your family would appreciate it. The reality of it is that is just the same reaction Paul is having to this question here. He says, certainly not. That's absurd. Why would you ask such a question? Paul uses the strongest Greek negation. He says, he could not be more emphatic. He says, no way. 2 Corinthians 5.17, a verse we read quite often here, says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Now, the man who is in Adam and the man who is in Christ are two different creations. That's what that verse is telling you. Two Totally different creations. You can't be both. If you're in Adam, you're ruled by the power of sin. You live in sin. If you're in Christ, you live in grace and in His righteousness. Two different realms. This verse refers to position, not practice. It doesn't mean that you won't sin. It doesn't mean that you can't sin. It means that you cannot, as a child of God, hear me, because you hear a lot of words and people don't take time to realize what they mean. Definitions mean a lot. The way you think means a lot. You, as a Christian, cannot live in sin. Because the biblical definition of living in sin is literally to reside under the power of the entity called sin. Can you do that? Since you have been redeemed, since you've become a new creation, since the old has passed away, since the old nature has been nailed and killed, can you possibly go back? Can you reverse who you are? It's almost like the question that Nicodemus came back to Jesus with. Can a man enter into the womb a second time and be born? Well, I want to tell you something, that once you are born in Christ, you cannot live in sin. And here's the thing. We use this word, born in Christ. And we're going to take that a little further here in a minute. But born in Christ, in Christ is your residence. In Christ is where you live. It's not just some Christian flippant term. You want to know people... (laughs) It's funny, you know, Christians should never say they're in trouble. They're in Christ! You know, Christians should never say they don't know where they'll be or where they're at. They're in Christ! You are born into Christ. You will never be removed from Christ. And one day you're going to look up at when Christ returns and recognize the fact that you are intimately in union with Him, so much so that you are like Him. And now you are a part of His body. You are an integral part of His function. His life literally flows through you, just kind of like the life of a vine would flow through a branch. Does that make sense? You are in Christ. You are in the vine. Kind of reminds me of something we've said here before. People have asked the question, how Christians, how do we abide? How do we abide? It's not how we abide. It's recognizing that you do abide. Quit trying to figure out how to abide and recognize that you do abide. 
Quit trying to figure out how to get the life of Christ living His life through you and do it. Because His life is in you. Yield to it. Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Here's the question. And you can ask this. And you know what? There's many a place where I've gone and Christians all around me and I want to look at them and say, are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Are you ignorant of the fact that all that you're trying to live to right now is no longer even part of your life? It died with the old man? Do you, are you ignorant of the fact that all that you're trying to pull life out of is laying at the bottom of the grave? Are you ignorant of the fact that you're not going to be able to resurrect your association with Adam? Why are you idealizing Adam's life? Why are you seeking after his goals and his ambitions? Why are you continually seeking after the life of Adam as though it were a prize to be won? Why are you praying to God that he would somehow visit upon you the blessings of Adam? Are you ignorant of the fact that you died? And what's more, that you were resurrected with and in Christ? Are you? Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.